Take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Would you please? Philippians chapter 4. The story is told of a monk who joined a monastery and took a vow of silence. After the first ten years, his superior called him in and gave him an opportunity to speak, saying, you have anything to say? (laughs) The monk replied, food, bad. After another ten years, the monk again had opportunity to voice his thoughts. He said, bed, hard. After 10 years went by, and again he was called before his superior. When asked if he had anything to say, he responded, I quit. (laughs) And his superior says, It doesn't surprise me a bit. You have done nothing but complain since you got here. (laughs) Did you sit around the Thanksgiving table this year and complain? Some of us may have the habit, the practice of saying, before we eat our meal, or let's take a time when we all express gratitude for something that we're thankful for. Gratitude to God. Thanks be to God. Did you do that? Or did you sit around the table and say, let's all complain about something before we eat our turkey and mashed potatoes? I doubt you sat around and, and, uh, and took turns complaining. Did you? Maybe you waited until later in the meal for that. Maybe some of you watched the Michigan game. We won't go there. And complain later, right? Complaining comes naturally to all of us, doesn't it? We don't need any help learning how to complain. Nor do we need any help learning how to be discontent. I'm so glad we came to this passage, these verses in Philippians 4, leading up to a time of thanksgiving and leading into the Christmas season. I'm so glad we're in these passages, in God's sovereignty, in His perfect timing. Here we are to think about contentment, to think about the challenge of contentment and how often we're discontent. We don't need any lessons and how to be covetous, and how to wish we had something we don't. And usually discontentment shows itself in complaining, and often in blame shifting. We think, if I'm not happy, it's your fault. (laughs) Far too often, the only things we have to say have to do with our displeasure with our circumstances. What is it that causes our discontentment? What is it that makes it difficult for us to live even as those who proclaim the name of Christ, even for those who say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. My trust is in Him. My confidence is in Him. And by the way, let me tell you how tough it's going for me as I complain for a while. Why is it so hard for us? What is it that makes it difficult for us to live for Christ without complaining? without covetousness, without discontentment overwhelming us. The Bible speaks to this when it says in James chapter 4 and verse 1, 
What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? The passions that are at war within each of us, left unchecked by the Word of God and the Spirit of God, make for discontentment. And it's covetousness, it's complaining that puts us at at odds with, with other people. When we start to blame shift, we start to point at other people for what's we, what we think is going wrong in our lives, for what we think we, we need that, that you're not providing. It's covetousness, it's complaining that puts us at odds with each other when we don't rejoice with people over what's going well for them. When we're selfish, when we're jealous, when we look at other people who things, we say, well, things are going so well for them. And we have a hard time rejoicing with them. What is it that causes that? What is it that, that makes it hard for us to overlook the faults of others and instead complain about those things? It's because the kind of attitude that rejoices with others and overlooks the faults of others only comes from Christ. It only comes from a solid foundation of faith in Christ. A relationship with Christ where God's Word and His Spirit is at work in our hearts, changing our minds, changing our attitudes from the inside out. It's a lack of that that causes our discontentment. We need the teaching of the Bible. I'm so glad you're here today. I'm so glad that you come faithfully and open the Word of God. I hope you bring your Bibles and you open the Bible with an expectant heart about what will God teach me today? How can I be encouraged and strengthened? Yes, but how can I also be corrected in my thinking in the way I live? I think the most important lesson to learn in life as we come to this passage of of Scripture before us in Philippians 4, I think even one of the most important lessons to learn in all of life is the one of contentment in all circumstances. We've noted in our earlier studies that the big idea of Paul's closing remarks to the Philippian believers in verses 10 through 19 here in Philippians 4 is what we find in verse 11. We looked at it last week. Look at verse 11 again. It's, it's the phrase in verse 11 where Paul says, For I have learned, do not miss that key word. I have learned in whatever situation, and that's a key phrase, in whatever situation I am, to be content. Let me just note here that this is not about passively waiting for life to happen. That's not the kind of contentment we're being taught here in Philippians 4. What we're seeing here is that contentment is something that we can and must learn if we long for the joy of the Lord. If Paul learned to be content, just think of this, if Paul learned to be content, then there must have been a time when he did not know contentment. Paul had to learn contentment like we do. And if we think that Paul's contentment had been learned without any discipline, without experiencing any difficulty that helped him learn the lesson, we'd be mistaken And Paul knew trials. He knew difficulty. He knew them firsthand. Paul knew affliction. 
And those difficulties helped him learn contentment. That's what we hear Paul saying here in verse 12. Let's look at it together as we continue in the text of Philippians 4. We come to verse 12 today. Look at verse 12 in your copy of God's Word as I read from the English Standard Version. Verse 12 from Paul says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Now I want you to follow along with me this morning as I show you three lessons that we can learn from Paul about learning contentment ourselves. Three lessons from the life of Paul that I think we can see here. In verse 12, it's a powerful Powerful three lessons here. First, I want you to note that to learn contentment, we've got to learn how to properly face difficulty. We've got to learn how to properly face difficulty. And we can do this as we watch Paul and read his words and watch his life and and read the words of God throughout the Scriptures. Note that Paul says, I know how to be brought low. What he's saying here is that he had learned how to properly face difficulty. Now, this could mean that Paul had learned how to deal with being made little of, being put beneath others. But Paul also says here that he had learned how to deal with hunger and need. He says here, I know all about hunger. I know all about being in need. I have been through it all. And that he had. The evidence of Paul's experience with facing the difficulty of being in need is seen in the book of Acts and elsewhere. Listen to Acts chapter 14 and verse 19. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. Acts chapter 16 and verse 22 and following, the crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had afflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. And then... In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 4 and 5, we hear this as Paul writes, But as servants of God, and there's a little clue about dealing with difficulty in that little phrase, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless, sleepless nights, and hunger. Yes, Paul had learned how to deal with being brought low. Paul knew all about being made little of. He often had to get by with, with very little. He had been persecuted. He had endured mental anguish, physical suffering. He'd gone hungry. He'd gone thirsty. He'd been in need of clothing. He knew all about being in need. He knew all about being brought low, living without, living in horrible circumstances. Humble situations. And Paul had learned how to deal with suffering. Because he kept his confidence in God. 
Paul had learned how to deal with all of those things because his confidence was in God. And if we're going to learn contentment, then we too will need to learn how to properly deal with suffering, properly deal with difficulty. That's why our last two studies are so foundational to our contentment. We must learn to have confidence in God, completely trusting Him. We must learn to be completely satisfied with God's provision. Let me just give you a practical word of of encouragement and challenge here. As we prayed this morning for the pastoral search committee and we asked God to give wisdom to those men as they lead our church family and lead us to your next pastor, I trust, and I believe you trust, that God is going to provide wonderfully. And I believe that, that this church body will come together in unity to choose that next man. You'll be very happy and very pleased with that person that God provides. But if you're not careful, there will be a day when you will, learn, when you will, you will find yourself being discontent with the, with the man God provides to teach you his word, to instruct you in the word of righteousness. Be very careful. That's just one example, but it's very real to us as we think about who is God going to provide to be the next pastor of this church. We must think about that day when we've taken a, a breath and a, and a sigh of relief has come over us and we've said, thank you, Lord, for providing our next pastor. And then we let discontentment creep in and we say, I'm not so sure I like what he's doing or what he's saying. Be careful. Prepare yourself now for that day when you would find yourself discontent. Think about your own marriage. What marriage among us didn't start with great excitement, with great contentment and satisfaction with that mate that God provides? Husbands and wives, be very careful that you don't go discontent with the mate that God has given you and blessed you with. Young people, if you have parents who are loving you and providing for you, you have much to be grateful for. Be careful you don't go discontent with their discipline and their instruction is for your good as biblical. We must learn to have confidence in God in all these areas. We must learn to be completely trusting of God. He is working. He is providing. We must learn to be completely satisfied with God's provision. And that leads us to the second lesson that we can learn from Paul. Let's note here that To learn contentment, we must learn how to properly deal with abundance. (laughs) Sounds like a strange lesson to learn, doesn't it? We must learn how to properly deal with abundance. You say, lesson learned, let's go to the next one. Easy. Give me abundance. I'll learn how to live with it. I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm human too, right? We're saying, hey, give me, give me more than I can handle. I'll learn how to handle it, we think. We see here that Paul had also learned how to live with plenty. We say, well, of course. Who couldn't learn how to live with plenty? Paul says, I know how to abound. I have learned the secret of facing plenty 
and abundance. And there's a powerful statement here. There's a powerful lesson to us that this isn't just a passing statement from Paul. There's a lesson that we need to learn if God blesses us with abundance. And, and I would suggest that most of us have far more than we really need. And so most of us really do need to learn this lesson. Paul says, I know how to abound. I have, here's that word again, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and abundance. He's saying here, I've learned how to live properly when I have more than enough. And that's not easy either. Because when there's plenty, we tend to forget that we still need to keep trusting God. We still need to keep depending upon His promised provision. Consider the fact that before Paul came to know Christ, he was a well-known Pharisee. His future promised prosperity. But he was incredibly poor in this one way. He did not have Christ. He had a bright future on his own as a Pharisee, but he did not have the Lord Jesus Christ. But after coming to faith in Christ, Paul realized this. That everything is different now. The things that I thought were valuable are of no value, are worthless compared to knowing Christ. His perspective changed. And there were times after coming to faith in Christ when Paul had plenty But his enjoyment was no longer based on a human standard. It wasn't based on those things that he had. His enjoyment, his joy, his contentment, his satisfaction, he pursued that in Christ. And he could not have risen above his circumstances to rejoice in the Lord's provision in any other way, but seeking his ultimate joy and contentment in knowing Christ and being known by Christ. I love the examples that we see in scriptures. Think of Paul and Silas in prison back in Acts chapter 16. I read the passage that leads up to this a few moments ago. Here they are. They're in prison. Their feet in stocks. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 25 says they're praying and singing hymns to God in prison, chained, behind locked doors, behind guards, Then there's an earthquake, and the prison doors fall off their hinges, and their chains fall off. And the jailer, he's beside himself. He's going to take his own life because he knows after all the prisoners escape, it will be required of him, so let's get it over with. But Paul and Silas, instead, they stop him. And what comes next is the believer, the, 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 the jailer believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, coming to faith in Christ and his family. Acts chapter 16, verses 33 and 34 says, And he, he took them the same hour. He took Paul and Silas, the jailer. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. 
And then he brought them into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. So here are Paul and Silas here eating meal, a meal at the jailer's table. They're not running away. They're not seeking their freedom. They're not trying to escape. They're eating a meal with the jailkeeper. That's confidence in God's power. That's a satisfaction with God's provision. And I say that because what we find in the verses that follow is that God did provide for their freedom. But not that night. It was the next day. They didn't have to run. God used the earthquake-shaken doors, the loosed chains from the prisoners in prison, not simply to set Paul and Silas free, but to liberate the jailer and his family from their chains of sin through faith in Christ. Then there was the time when Paul is shipwrecked. The island of Malta. Acts 28.2 says... The native people showed us unusual kindness. They kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. I wonder if we would have uh, such a positive outlook on being shipwrecked, on nearly losing our lives. We would have stories to tell, wouldn't we? I nearly lost my life. Let me tell you about it. And he says, the people showed us unusual kindness. They kindled a fire and welcomed us. It was cold and rainy. Now we'd all be talking about the terrible shipwreck, wouldn't we? We'd be talking about the three-hour tour. And here in Philippians 4, we see Paul's gratitude for the Lord's provision is so clear. Look again at Philippians 4. Move further into the text with me. Look at verses 15 and following in Philippians 4. Paul's gratitude for God's provision is so clear. And you Philippians, he says, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. And then in verse 18, he says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent a And get this, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Paul sees their gifts as an offering to God. He is grateful for their giving attitude, their humility before God, that they would give a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And note that in all of this, in both suffering without and enjoyment of plenty, that Paul had learned to be content. When he had little, we don't find him complaining about it. And when he had plenty, we don't find him clamoring for more, forgetting to keep his trust in God. What a powerful lesson for us. That we need to learn how to deal with abundance with our eyes still fixed on our gracious God 
Thirdly, we also learn from Paul to live above our circumstances. Lessons one and two are powerful, aren't they? How to deal with difficulty, how to deal with a lack of having our, what we believe our needs to be, having them met, having to deal with difficulty and hardship and even persecution. Lesson number two, dealing with abundance and having the right attitude in that. And, and those two lessons come together and we see the lesson from Paul about living above our circumstances. Come what may. We need to learn to keep our eyes on God and live above our circumstances. Paul has complete confidence in God. We see it here. The key here is that he had learned not to depend upon himself or even the gifts of those around him, those people who were supporting him. It's not all about Paul. We saw it in verse 10. He has complete confidence in God. We saw it in verse 11. Paul was completely satisfied with God's provision. And so we find here in verse 12 that Paul has learned to live above his circumstances. Now we might think that if we had plenty, we could learn to live above our circumstances. We think, well, what's the big deal? What's, what's so hard about having plenty? What's the difficulty with having more than I need? I can learn to live with that. But that's not as easy as we think it is. Often, the challenge for us is when we do have plenty, and I think we face this more often than not, when we do have our needs met, we tend to take our eyes off of Christ. We tend to take our eyes off of His Word. We tend to quit depending upon God and we start thinking about how well off we are and how well we have accomplished things for ourselves. Charles Spurgeon said that the Christian far more often, he says, disgraces his profession of faith in Christ in prosperity than when he is abased. That's a... That's a needed challenge. We far more often disgrace disgrace Christ when we find ourselves well provided for than when we find ourselves having to look to Christ in faith for His provision. You see, the danger is that when we have plenty, we're prone to think we're reasonably self-sufficient. Look what I've been able to do. I don't need anything. And though we may not be so foolish to say it out loud, we, we tend to, to act like we don't need Jesus either. And that's a dangerous place to live. Listen to what Jesus teaches in Mark chapter 10, verses 23 and following. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The person who says, If I just had a bit more, That's all I need. 
That person doesn't understand that he may find himself worse off with more than with less. Why? Because we tend to be self-sufficient. We tend to be careless with our relationship with Christ when we have more as opposed to when we are so low in life we can look nowhere but up to Christ for help. And cry out to God, Oh God, help me. Please give me your wisdom. Please give me your provision. You see, having less can make us more likely to serve the Lord wholeheartedly, seeking His help, seeking His wisdom and guidance, seeking His Word, seeking to know Him more. Because being in times of distress and difficulty, it's more likely we're going to realize our deep need for Christ and move toward Christ to depend upon Him more. But when we have more, it can be more challenging to serve Christ because we tend to forget that we desperately need Him. We desperately need His wisdom. And we begin to think we're just fine living by our own strength. And too often, more is not enough. We're just as likely to complain and be discontent with more as with less. The difference isn't whether we have little or much. We can see that in the life of Paul. It's not about whether he had little or much. He knew how to deal with both. Because people with little also fail to serve the Lord, and people with much can learn to serve the Lord faithfully as they trust Him always. It's not about having little or much. It's, it's learning how to deal with either. You see, the difference is our perspective. And do we understand that we need Christ? We desperately need Him. No matter what our circumstances, do we understand that to live apart from or above our circumstances, we must be completely confident in God and completely satisfied with His faithful and complete provision for our needs? And though most of us have plenty we must be careful that we don't lack the very thing that we need the most. And that is a thriving and vibrant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ found only through the Word and through prayer and through faithfully serving Him, rejoicing in Him, worshiping Him from the bottom of our heart, seeking to make our lives, lives that glorify God, honor Him with our obedience. And though some of us experience times of great need, we've got to be careful that we don't overlook the greatest fulfillment in life, a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And though many of us find ourselves with our needs well supplied, we've got to be careful that we don't look to those things in, instead of Christ, realizing that, that ultimately our, our real joy and contentment is found only through a thriving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to learn from Paul but it's only with the power of Christ living in us that we're able to live above our circumstances. There is no good thing in you, there is no good thing in me that makes us capable of true contentment apart from Christ. There's no human willpower or strength in us or any level of self-control that makes us able to be content while facing great need or while living with plenty. We need Christ's help for that. 
We need the wisdom of our Bibles for that. We need the Word of God at work in us by the work of the Spirit in us taking the Word of truth. You see, the only way we will be able to say with Paul that I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content is to have complete faith in Christ. Beloved, you may say, I've been a believer for decades and I would challenge you again to examine your heart, examine your life, to make sure that you are completely depending upon Christ day by day, seeking the wisdom of His Word, talking to Him in prayer, asking for His guidance and direction and His perfect provision of peace and contentment for you. We must completely depend upon Christ for contentment from day to day. Our contentment cannot be attached to the things that we have or the things that we think we need. Maybe you're realizing that you need to confess to God your constant need of Him. Maybe you're a follower of Christ today and you say, I, I'm looking at my life and I realize that I do not completely trust God at every turn, that I'm really not seeking my my ultimate joy and contentment in that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and fellowship with Him in His Word and prayer. Let this be a challenge to you. Let this be an encouragement to you to take time, set aside time in your day for prayer, for the Word, to humble yourself before God, asking Him once again as you open the pages of Scripture to speak to you, to content you with with the wisdom of the Word and the work of His Spirit in you. And then take steps to obey Him daily. Seek to serve Him with your life. Seek to glorify Him with your work and with your family. Believers need to seek their ultimate joy and contentment in daily fellowship with Christ. Maybe you've not confessed that you're a sinner. Maybe it's true of you today that you need to trust in Christ. You've not trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ, I I warn you, you're not going to find contentment apart from fellowship with Christ. You need to repent of your sin. Every every believer in this room had to come to this point where, where they looked at themselves and said, I am a rotten sinner in need of a Savior. I cannot save myself. You need to come to that point where you repent of your sin, you say, I'm going to turn from sin, I'm going to turn to Christ and and look for my ultimate joy and contentment to be satisfied in Him and in Him alone. And you can begin a new life with Christ if you will trust in Him today. For each of you today, living above your circumstances is not all about you. It's all about Christ. Living in you, through you. His Word at work in you, changing your heart, changing your desires to make them more Christ-like day by day, growing in you a satisfaction and joy and contentment that can only be found through faithful, faithful communion with God, through faith in Christ. May that be true of us. As God uses us in this place, as we serve Him in this place, as we go out into a new week, and as we head into the, from the busy Thanksgiving season to the busier Christmas season, 
as we head into those busy times in our lives, may we go with the joy of the Lord as our strength. May we go as ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ that we might make him known in those places that God is sending us to for his glory. That we might know his contentment. That we might know his joy. Let's ask God for that in prayer. Let's trust him for it with the way that we live.